All right, well, if you weren't here uh, for the opening song, let me read you a couple lines. Uh, The chorus read, Whatever I fear the most is whatever I see before me. Whenever I let my guard down, whatever I was ignoring. And then there's this great little phrase that said, And all I need's a starting place, and nothing ever seems so hard. I don't know if you guys can relate to that. That kind of we talked last week about how we all, as human beings, have this ability to dream to fantasize about how life could actually be better, how there could be more. And what's crazy is sometimes those opportunities will present themselves and we'll even want those things to happen, and yet we have this fear. And it can be just like that. Whatever I fear the most is whatever I see before me. Like, man, there's an opportunity before me, but I'm just not sure if I actually want to take it. And it can actually freak us out. <clears throat> and so um, lots of times in our culture, we say this. That first step was a, a doozy. Exactly. Did you guys know that doozy actually is a word? <laughs> I had no idea. So uh, we actually went on dictionary and found out what a doozy is. And, and here's what it is. A doozy is something outstanding or unique of its kind. Something outstanding or unique of its kind. And the first step is always a doozy. It is unique. It is not like any other step that you will ever take. Guys, how many of you remember having to call girls for the first time? I mean, that is a doozy. In fact, I remember for, uh, with Susie and I, we actually were, I was in uh, California, she was in Montana. We met in New Mexico at a conference. And uh, when I went back to California, man, I was just like, I've got to find out more about this girl. And so there it goes. And it's so funny because it didn't make any sense because she lived uh, another part of the country than me. And I'll never forget, though, I, I got the courage up because that's what you, got and you need when you have to take this first step and there's fear. And I call her up and she, I get her answering machine. And it says, hey, Dave. Oh, no, she didn't say, hey, Dave. <clears throat> I said, score. No. I get the answering machine, and it said quite the opposite. It said, hey, this is Suze, and there's, I'm not home right now. Just leave your name in a no- message. If this is Dougie, I'll be home at 10 o'clock. And I'm like, poom. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, I just hung up the phone immediately. I'm like, who in the world's Dougie, you know? But the next morning, I remember I just woke up, and I'm like, I'm going to find out who Dougie is. And I called her back. And it's that type of thing where it would have been so easy for me. And there would have been times in my life, if I would have called and there was a Dougie, I would have just said, well, I'm not going to go down that road anymore. Sometimes we are not willing to take first steps because they freak us out. Because we're scared of what might happen. For me personally, here's my biggest, one of my biggest first steps I ever took, is I am actually incredibly afraid of heights, okay? In fact, it is hard for me to climb a ladder. Anybody else out there want to join me in that? Okay. And I've always been like that. I I never, I don't know even what happened. Just as a kid, we try to climb trees, and my brother and sister would be way up in the tree, and I'd go, yeah, and I'd, and then I'd come back down. And so uh, back at Kensington one year, I was doing a message uh, on how we have to face our fears. And my two brothers, who know me well, were the ones who were involved in planning the service. So they came up to me and they said, hey, Dave, we'd love to do an illustration uh, since you're given this message on facing your fears. I'm like, yeah, what is it? We want you to go skydiving. I'm like, I ain't, what? I mean, it was just like, I get, yeah, 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 yeah. There's no way I'm doing that. I go home. I had only been married for a year and a half. Mariah, my oldest daughter, was six months old. I'm like, why in the world would I risk my life? That would just be stupid when I can't even climb a ladder. So, but we talked, my wife, Susie and I talked about it and we just kind of, long story short, but we came to this conclusion. 
can I actually trust that my life is in God's hands? Is, I, I will, I'll, I'll teach you that. But do I actually believe it? Long story short, we decided, you know what? I'm going to jump out of a stupid plane. It was crazy. So you guys, how many of you have actually gone skydiving? Okay, this is fun. Like three times as many as first service, just by the way. <laughs> so you guys must be way more adventurous than the first service crowd. All right, so when you, you guys, when you go skydiving, the first thing that happens is you walk in this room and they, sh- they hand you all these papers that say, you're probably going to die. Sign here. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy the number of documents they give you that tell you your life is at risk. You understand this? Something could go wrong and you will die. Do you understand this? Yes, I understand. It's just nuts. And then after you sign your life away, I go outside and it was kind of a blustery day. It was gray. It was overcast. And I'm standing there next to the pilot and he's looking up and he goes, yeah, I'm not so sure we should do this today. I'm like, well, then, dude, you just stay right here and you wait as long as you need to wait, you know? And then it was crazy. All of a sudden, the sky breaks through and there's some blue sky. And he's like, all right, I think we're good. I'm like, oh, okay. Dude, this plane was so tiny and small. There was only six of us. And we literally were like this, crammed into this tiny little plane. It's one of those with the, with the um, wings come out like this with the little bars on the side. I mean, it's like, you know, Snoopy, whatever he used to fly around in. That's what it looked like. So we get in there and you watch the thing and you watch the little clock and it dials up to me. You have to get up to 10,000 feet. I'm looking out the window. I'm right next to the door, man. I'm looking out the window and everything's just getting so small. And I'm standing up there and then all of a sudden we hit 10,000 feet and boom, the door right next to me opens up. I mean, I'm just like clinging to everybody and, you know, everything I can and wrapping my arms and legs around stuff. I mean, I am freaking out. And then all of a sudden this guy, he actually, because I'm tandem, obviously, so he clips onto me, right? He gets on my back and then he whispers in my ears. He goes, okay, you've got to step out of the plane first. And I'm telling you, man, you're there. And, and, and here's what's crazy though. In all honesty, the decision to do this was made when? When? Yeah, with, with my wife in our living room. I'm going to do this. So then the door comes out. Now you actually have to do it though, right? And I'll never forget, man, it's crazy. You actually step out and you hold on to this thing and you got to step out 10,000 feet up in the air. And then you grab on and as soon as you step out, it goes... <laughs> it was just hilarious. In fact, it was so funny. Total side note, we're driving down the road yesterday and my little boy Caleb goes, Hey, Dad, when you were a kid, did you ever stick your face out the window? It's awesome, man. The force on your head. You know, I'm like, dude, go skydiving. You have no idea. But anyway, so your first step out is this force that's just all over you. And then the guy comes out and behind me, takes my forehead, sticks it back to his chest and says, on the count of three, one, two, three. We just, and we start doing three somersaults in a row. And then we finally stop somersaulting. And then we start spinning around like this. And then he finally settles that down. And we get down. I'm doing this for a a video, right, for the service. So the camera guy's there. I'm like, you know, waving at him, all this kind of stuff. And then he finally looks at me, and it's time, and hits the chute. Absolute, complete calm. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's crazy. It's just the raging storm is gone and it's just pure like bliss. It is unbelievable. And then all of a sudden I look at uh, the guys behind me and I just say, has anybody ever thrown up on you up here before? (laughs) He's like, yep. I'm like, oh, grace. 
Brooks, man, those somersaults and those turns, man, they got me so bad. So he took us down pretty quick. But I'm telling you guys, and then I got down to the bottom, and I'm like, I did it, man. I just faced something I was never going to do. I mean, the thought of skydiving was absolutely, unbelievably, for sure, something that this human being would never do. My greatest fear. First steps, coming, making the decision first, and then stepping out of that plane. I had to completely entrust myself to something where I could have lost my life. And I just want to tell you, man, today, that is what I'm going to invite you to do. Aren't you excited? You didn't know, man, you're coming today to church, and I am going to give you a chance today to take a first step. And for some of you, I know what it's going to be like. In fact, I, of course, obviously, because I'm walking with Jesus, I took a first step with him. And it freaks every human being out. It just does. But that's where we're going to go today. Because we're, we're talking about this base camp, and that we're going to go on an adventure together. So let me recap, because last week, if you weren't here, we talked about what is the adventure. That there's something inside of every human being that is seeking after fulfillment in this life. And we're finding things that are good. Relationships are good and love is good and work is good and beauty is good and all these kind of things. And yet even when we get those, they never fully satisfy us. So we talked last week about how huge is your appetite that we can have all these things and that even once you get satisfied, it never lasts and you want more. And then God comes along and he says, that's because I created all of these things to just be a whiff, to just be a slight sound to let you know that there's something greater And that's what we found out that God is. That God is the essence of everything that we see. He's the perfection of everything that we see and we experience here. He's the one who thought of it all. And our hearts are actually designed for Him. That in Christ, in God was life. And so when we, and then the beautiful part is that God looks at every one of you today and He says, listen, I want to share my life with you. That's the adventure. I want to invite you to come and not just go after the things I've created. I want you to go after the creator. I want you to go to the source of everything because that's what your heart was created for. And so let me just think again, and we talked about that. What kind of life is God inviting you to before we talk about this today? Real quick, it's a life of fulfillment, okay? And the reason it's fulfilling is because the one who created you The one who designed you now looks at you and says, hey, once you give your life to me, you were created with a purpose and you allow me to show you the reason for your life. So every person's trying to go, how do I find fulfillment? When you find God, you find the reason for you being here. It's awesome. The other thing it gives you is security and peace. And we talked about the fact that everything that's created can be gone in a second. Everything that we seek after and we put our hope in, whether it's a person or whether, whether it's our health or our beauty or it's a job or it's whether everything that we do that we put our hope in, that we've tried to find our fulfillment in can be gone in a second. God is the only one who will never leave you. He's the only one who will never let you down. And he is the only person who knows everything about you and loves you like crazy and always will. There's nothing else. So he offers you, that would be security if you knew your life was centered around something that loves you, someone who loves you like that and who would never leave you. It's also a life of blessing. 
It's because God says, if you start sharing in my life, I am everything that's right. I am everything that's good. I am everything that's beautiful. So when you share my life, all of a sudden, the things that are right and good for you, they start to come a part of you. Your life gets blessed, but even more so, when you start sharing in God's life, it's a life of love. And so then you start blessing everybody around you. I mean, it's just awesome. And then you guys, I will tell you, it is a life of adventure. It is crazy. It is mysterious. I'm t- I say this so often. Church can be so stinking boring. And following Jesus can't. I'm telling you it can't. How could you link your life with the God who created the universe, who created all the beauty that we see, who knows everything intimate about you? You link your life with him and you think you're going to be like this? Man, I'm telling you, it is an adventure. It will freak you out. It will scare you. It will thrill you. It will satisfy you. So there you go. God is saying, you want life? It's me. You want fulfillment? It's me. You want security? Me. You want blessing? Me. Purpose? Me. And then that's why we're doing this series. Because we want to let you know there is an adventure with God. You can live your life with Him. But like any adventure, you can hear about it. You could read about it. You could even be sitting right there. But the first thing you've got to do if you're actually going to go on the adventure is you've got to take the first step. You've got to do it. And that's what I'm going to invite you to do today. How do we take the first step? All right? So let's pray together and let's ask God to just come and say, Lord, open my heart. Help me to know how I can know you intimately and personally. Let's pray. Oh, man. God, what an honor to be here this morning and... um, I can't wait to share the greatest news in all the world. The greatest news in all the world. I just want to ask Jesus that you would come. You know every person in this room. You love them. You love them. You love them. You want nothing more, nothing more than for them to link their life with yours. So God, would you just come today? Would you open the eyes of our heart? Would you give us ears so we can actually hear you? Would you turn on the light like we talked about last week, how you are the light? Would you give us understanding so we can actually understand you, understand this life? And specifically to Jesus, who are you and what have you done? And I I just pray. I just pray that you would just come and do your deal right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So the question that I have often is... If we experience, and and I would say most of us at some point or another would say, I feel like I've kind of maybe experienced God. If God wants to offer us this type of life, and he really, and Jesus said, I came so you could have life and life to the full. If all of that is available, then why aren't we experiencing it? Why aren't we experiencing it? Why are we so often empty? Even if you're successful, you can still find this unsatisfying drive. Why? Why? Why are so many of our relationships falling apart when God's all about bringing relationships together? Why am I in despair and feel depressed when God is a God of hope and joy and peace? So today, I am going to share with you really, really, really good news. You guys ready? 
Have you ever been able to like tell somebody really good news before? It's really fun. I can't wait to share with you today the really good news. Here's the first good news. Problem is we walk away from God. That's the good news right there. Why don't we experience what God has for us? It's because we actually walk away from God. Let me, let me just explain this to you because what we want to figure out today is how do I take the first step? How do I get into adventure? How do I actually know God? So you guys, pretty much what happens is we're at a crossroads. Every human being stands at a crossroads. And when you're at the crossroads, you have a choice. And your choice is between God and everything else. So really, what you do, you, you make this decision every day. You wake up and you say, hey, am I going to follow God? Am I going to love God? Or am I going to follow the stuff that we talked about in this world? And, and really what we're saying here, usually when we come this way, we go, okay, God, I know that if I go this way, that means like you get to be God and you kind of like tell me what to do. And you have these ways that I'm supposed to follow. And so we look at that and we go, you know, I, I think we should try everything else. <laughs> I, you know, because this world is pretty good. And we talked about that. And so what happens is we follow our own ways. But what's interesting, when we do that, we start to look to other things now. The, everything we were talking about yesterday. So we get over on this side, on the everything else. And now we go, okay, hey, 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 I'm married now, honey. And you're supposed to now fulfill me. And you're supposed to satisfy me. Okay, I got the job. Okay, job. Make me feel important. Make me feel significant. Satisfy this need for my, that I have to know that I really matter. Okay, money. Okay, possessions. Okay, you know what I'm saying? So we come over on this side. We seek after everything else. Now, what's so interesting is throughout the history of mankind, if you read the Bible, you will always see that God offers, he, he takes us to this crossroad all the time. God does. And he says, and this is what he says. In fact, you might want to write, I'm not going to read the passage, but write down Deuteronomy 30. It's an Old Testament book, Deuteronomy 30. It's a great place where God does this. In Deuteronomy 30, he says, hey, I'm going to set before you life and blessing or death and destruction. And God just says, he he offers that all all the time. He goes, hey, listen, either you can love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and find your life and the blessings I have for you, or you can do your own thing, kind of deny me, reject me, go after the stuff I created for you, okay? Go after that stuff, and it actually will lead to death and destruction. And so what's crazy to me is why is it, and I would love for you just to think about this this morning, why are you, because we all do this, why are you, when you are on a trail, and if you came up to that sign, and you had the option to go with God or to try everything else. Why are you going everywhere else? Have you ever thought about it? Why do we do this? Why do we walk away from God? Because we all do. Here's a verse that gives us an idea. It's, it's Titus chapter 3. It's in the New Testament, verse 3. It says, Once <clears throat> we too were foolish and disobedient, and we were misled... And we became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. And our lives were full of evil and envy, and we ended up hating each other. Now, let me tell you what this verse is doing. The Bible is just trying to help us to understand why are we walking away from God? And why are you not experiencing what he has for you? Well, the first thing it says is we were foolish. Now, who likes to be called foolish? I mean, you know, when you read that, you're like, hey, I'm a pretty smart dude. You know, quit messing with me. 
The reason he's saying that we were foolish is when you and I go to everything else, what happens now is you are left on this side over here, you are left to finding in your own fulfillment your own ideas, your own abilities, your own intellect, your own self. You guys, some of you right now are so frustrated with your self. And the reason you are is because instead of when it came to finding your life, you said, I'm not going to listen to God. I'm going to try it on my own. Now, here's the other thing that happens. And I kind of already mentioned it. When you end up on this side over here, the reason the Bible says we're foolish when we come over here is because now we are looking to the created things to satisfy us fully. We're looking to our marriage. We're looking to work. We're looking to sex. We're looking to success. We're looking to all these things. And, and the reason it's foolish is because none of these things over here are God. And we're saying, come on, meet my needs. Fulfill me. Do you guys see what he's saying? So the Bible says somehow we got foolish thinking that the stuff that was created could actually be God for us. And, and, that, and we're still doing it. So then it says we're disobedient, and that just means literally we, we come here and God says, hey, do this, and we go, no, and we're disobedient, so we end up over here. And then I love what the verse says, we were misled, you guys. We were misled. Somehow when we came to this decision, there's something, in, I'll, do, I'll tell you this, there's something inside of us, I'm going to get to it in a minute, and there's the, everything around us that says that is ridiculous. Choose this way. Everything but God woos us away from him. And we're misled. And when we're misled, which also means deceived, then the next thing that happens is we get enslaved. And what that means is you come over here and now you need these things. You're not free. So many of us, all of us, have had seasons of our life where we're not even being the person we want to be anymore. And we end up over here and we're enslaved by all types of lusts and pleasures. Why are we enslaved? Because we've tasted them and they were good. When God created the world, he got done with it and he said, what? It's, it's good. So we tasted it and we go, oh, this feels good. I need more. And the next thing you know, you become a slave to lusts and pleasures and you're not even being who you want to be anymore. And then he says, what happens? It keeps going on. Our lives were full of evil. See, now, as soon as you hear that, you go, okay, see, seriously, because I'm not evil, right? I mean, evil's coming up in Halloween, right? I mean, evil's that really bad stuff, the really nasty stuff. Those are the people who kill each other. That's evil. You know, all that, we, we have this really kind of extreme view of evil. You know what evil really is, you guys? Evil is just anything that's not good. It's just, I know it kind of, it's a daunting word, but it just literally means stuff that isn't good. Look at, listen, to this, these are some of the things the Bible says are evil. Um, gossip. Anybody ever talked about anybody else behind their back? Okay. See, we all do that, but we don't see that's evil, even though gossip does what? Destroys relationships. See, God's like, I am so about relationship, and you guys constantly do stuff that destroys relationships, like gossip and slander and bursts of anger. Anybody ever? No, that never happens. Bursts of anger, greed, divisions. See, to, the, to God, those things are evil because every time we act in a way that's not like him, we hurt the people around us. And God's like, so not about that. <laughs> and not only do we hurt the people around us, our own souls start to just disintegrate and God's not about that. So he says, you actually end up being evil and then we end up hating each other. 
And, and I know you're sitting here going, well, I don't hate people. Well, th- but I can tell you this. The real issue, guys, is our hearts on this side over here. As soon as we have a choice, am I going to open my heart to God or am I going to go down here? When we move down here, what happens is our hearts just get bent towards themselves. Because what happens, and this is really what the Bible, can I just say it? This is what the Bible calls sin. Sin is simply where your heart is bent towards yourself more than it's bent towards God and others. And can we all just be honest, all of us, that our hearts think about ourselves more than others. Can we all just be honest about that? I mean, there's not very many people who wake up in the morning and aren't thinking about themselves first. Now, I know all of us, probably all of you in this room at some point love each other. You do those kind of things. But we also just are bent away from that. And that's what eventually leads to destruction. Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. There is a way that seems right to us. And for some reason, human beings think everything else is right. But that way leads to death. Now, why does it lead to death? Because here's what's funny, you guys. Every human being does this, and the bummer is we can't stop. We can't stop wanting to do things our own way. Uh, Listen to this verse in Romans chapter 7. It says, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Anybody relate? I mean, I'm so serious. I'm like, I am so glad that's in the Bible. And this is where I love the Bible. The Bible's just saying, hey, can I just tell you about yourself? <laughs> and, and see, we're all in that boat. And then it goes on to say this. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Who's going to free me from this? You guys, let me, let me give you an illustration. I don't know about you guys. I have quite a few friends right now in my life who are struggling pretty seriously with some physical limitations and physical pain. Deeply. It's completely limiting their life. They've gone to doctor after doctor after doctor. They go to specialist after specialist. And you know one of the worst things that can happen when you're in severe pain and you go to the doctor is for them to tell you what? We don't know. I'm telling you, in this, I, and again, I say this all the time, I love the medical community, and I'm just like, come on, keep researching! Because <laughs> nothing is so frustrating when you see somebody's life dwindling away and you don't know why. Now, let me just ask you, wouldn't good news actually be a diagnosis? Right? Yeah. Now, you could, but it's kind of weird, right? Because you're sitting there in the waiting room, and do you want to hear it? Uh, yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Uh, yes, no, yes, no, yeah. Uh, you don't want to hear it, and yet you do want to hear it. See, actually getting a correct diagnosis is actually good news. And you know what? The Bible gives us good news because it tells us why. Why is it that I walk away from God? Why is it that I'm seeking after everything else instead of Him? Why is my heart unwilling to surrender to God, even though I might want to? And here's what the Bible says, you guys. In Romans 3, 23, it says this, everyone has sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. Ephesians 4, 18 says this, we are darkened in our understanding and we're separated from the life of God. See, 
And, 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 and here's what's great. We're all in the same boat, every human being. We're darkened in our understanding. We can't see it. So when we get to the sign, for some reason, we move this way. Now, and now here's what's crazy. So the Bible just says, I'm going to give you your diagnosis. You have this thing inside of you. It's called a sinful nature, and it means your heart is bent towards yourself. You got it. You're sick. I'm sick. You're sick. All of human nature is sick. That's the problem. We say no to God. We reject him, and we go our own way. Now, I also know this. I have sat with friends, and I've been with my mom when the diagnosis comes and you hear that it's cancer. See, that's where it's like, okay, I'm glad I know what it is. But I don't want to hear that news. So here's the other thing about the diagnosis of God towards our heart. Because there is bad news that comes with the good news. And the bad news is this. It's Romans 6.23. That the wages of sin is death. What we earn, you guys, by saying no to God is death. And you, go, you might just sit there and go, whoa, 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 whoa why, why is that? See, because last week what we learned was in him was life. God is the giver of life. In fact, he's the only one who has eternal life. Do you guys know that you don't have eternal life in you? Do you know that? You're all, you know you're all dying. <laughs> it's done. I did a funeral yesterday. We die. There's only one person who has eternal life. If we walk away from the one who gives eternal life, then the consequence of that is separation from him. Separated from the life of God. And now there is death. You know what's crazy? Is when we get over on this side too, and we've tried so hard to find our own life, this is usually when we all of a sudden start to maybe wonder if there's a God. Maybe that's why you're here this morning. Maybe some of you are saying, man, I'm actually pretty decently successful and I'm still empty. I, I, I've got a good job. I've got a house. I've got a family. And yet I know I'm missing something. And that's sometimes when we'll finally go, I wonder if maybe there is this God thing. Some of you, it's just the opposite. It's not that you've done well. You have not done well. You've watched relationship after relationship fall apart. You're on the fringe of it right now. You can't make anything hold together. You're struggling to keep a job. Life is falling apart. And so you, trying to just make it through, maybe you've even gone into some things and started doing things you never thought you would do. And you get to the lowest. Some guy came to me this morning after the first service. I am at the lowest point of my life. And that is when we also wonder, could there be a God? And here's what's crazy, you guys is when you turn to God, you realize there's this huge chasm. And there's this huge thing between you and God. And what the Bible says, yes, in that chasm, you guys, is death. So, I feel like I should put on a white trench coat and be your spiritual doctor today and say, let me give you some really good news. I know what's causing your sickness. You have a nature that's bent away from God and you can't do anything about it. There's your goodness. Now, so if we're over here and God's over here, then how do we get to God? How do we get to God? You know what? You don't. You can't. 
more good news from your doctor. You don't. How do we get to God? You don't. So let me give you the second best news. Number two, look at this one here. God runs toward us. God runs towards us. I can't wait to tell you about this because what's happening is we're over here and our world is falling apart and our relationships are falling apart and we're empty. And so in that moment we go, man, I'm going to try to get to God. And so we try to do that. And then all of a sudden we realize I can't even find God. The greatest news in all the world, you guys, is you don't have to go get to God because God actually runs towards you. Listen to this. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He so loved who? Okay, let's say, I want to hear say this again. He loved who? The world. That means every one of you. Every single person. He was going, you know what? It is not okay for people to perish. So I'm going to send my one and only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son, you guys, into the world to condemn the world. And here's what's crazy is there's way too many people who think that's God, who think that there's a really angry, you know, whatever kind of God who's just looking to somehow punish us. That is not what the Bible says. That's not good news. The good news, he sent his son into the world to con- not to condemn the world but to save the world through him. You guys, the best news, the good news, by the way, when you hear the word gospel, that gospel simply just means good news. And the good news is we don't have to try to get to God. God comes to get us. Now listen to this. Here's that old kind of first half crappy verse, Romans six twenty three. The wages of sin is death. But look how the verse continues. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Man, now look at this. You got to check. These words matter. The wages of sin. How do you get a wage? You earn it. You work for it. Isn't that great? Look what you earned. Good job. Thanks a lot. You just earned through your saying no to God and doing your own thing. You earned your own death. Way to go. But look at that. But how do you get back to God. How do you come to find eternal life? It is a what? It's a gift. You guys, you don't earn a gift. You don't work for a gift. A gift is something that is freely given to you. This is the greatest news in all the world. Look at this, Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8. Maybe my favorite passage in all the Bible. It says this, you see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now let me go ahead, uh, uh, back up to verse uh, six there. It says, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless. If you're powerless, you guys, what can you do? Nothing. And so when you're over on this side, and you're maybe trying to get past this chasm, and the, and the God says, guess what, you guys? You're powerless over here. And, you, and, and the beautiful thing, he says, and when you can do nothing about your life, he goes, it's a perfect time for me to love you. And then he says, oh, and you're ungodly? You mean you're totally doing things completely opposite of what I want? Perfect time for me to come love you. While you're still a sinner, 
See, what the beautiful thing about this passage is, you guys, is it's the greatest news in all the world because it's saying you can't do anything about it. You're living completely opposite of God and you're still a sinner, which means your heart is still bent away from God. And God says that is just the right time for me to love you. Is that not good news? See, and the reason it's good news, you guys, here's why God says it's just the right time. If you tried to clean yourself up for God, and then you found God, you might start thinking, well, the reason God loves me is because I became a better person, right? See, and then you would think that the only reason God loves you is because of your good behavior. What this verse says is no. When you have no good behavior, when you could care less about me, that's when I die for you. And that is the greatest news in all the world. Now, I, I, just, I just really want to quickly just kind of help you understand that because here we are over on this side. We've done our own thing and what we earned was separation from God and that's death. See, because here is where lots of people go, okay, well then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to be a really good person, right? I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of clean myself up and show God that I'm better now, right? Have you guys ever done that? I, I remember my mom when she had cancer. She hated to really even admit that she had it. And so she would try to cover it up, you know, and maybe put some more makeup on and try, you you guys know what I'm talking about? We do the exact same thing spiritually. We go, okay, God, I'm not really sick. I feel better now, you know. (laughs) No, you don't. No, you don't. And so then we go to church. Well, I'll be really religious then. And if I get religious, then maybe I'll be able to reach God. You guys, the point of this whole thing is no, you are powerless to reach God. You can jump as far as you want over this chasm. This chasm is wider than the Grand Canyon. You're not going to make it. You are never going to be good enough for God, ever. Because over here with God is he's completely perfect on this side. And none of you or me are even close. Quit trying. Quit trying. Quit trying. I think the worst news in all the world would be for God to come down here and say, if you work just a little bit harder and if you're just a little bit better and if you start to get religious enough, I'll maybe accept you. And there are way too many people who think that's good news. That is horrible news. Horrible news. And the greatest news is, it's not the news from God. That's from the pit of hell. The good news is that God runs towards you. Now, here's here's what I will say. What's so crazy is over on this side, God is holy, you guys. He can't have anything to do with our sin. That's the the problem. It's like he's on this side and he's like, oh, I just, I, I can't be over there. I can't participate in your lying. I can't participate in your sexual immorality. I can't participate in your greed, in your selfishness. I just, I'm, I'm not. That's painful. It hurts you. It hurts others. I'm not going to have anything to do with it. That's God's holiness. But on the other side, God is infinitely loving. And so he says, but I have to have you with me because I love you that much. Can I, just, can I just share with you? I think there are two groups of people. And there are some of us in here that sometimes we think that God is this demanding God and he's kind of this holy God who's saying, get your act together. You know the problem with it? If you believe that that's what God is like, I, I, I bet, I guarantee you I know it's true about you. And that is God has never just melted your heart. You've never just been brought to tears with him. You've never just had your heart filled with joy 
Because your relationship with God is all based on how good you are. And when you're good enough, then you feel good about yourself, right? And as soon as you feel good about yourself, how do you feel about everybody else? Then you can look down on them. You become self-righteous. Don't you just love self-righteous people? Now here's the other thing. So if you're good enough, you become self-righteous, but then when you fail and you blow it, how do you feel towards yourself? See, now you hate yourself. See, if that's your type of God, there's no joy, there's no life, there's no worship, there's no awe, because you're just sitting there trying to be good enough and you either hate others or you hate yourself. Now let me go to the other side of you. And this is probably more of you in this room. This is our culture, I would say, today. Most people are on the other side and say, well, actually, yeah, God's not like that at all. God just loves everybody. And he loves everything. I mean, I know we're over here and we're totally hurting each other and we're abusing each other and we're, we're, we're messing up each other's lives. And, and, but you know what? But God's God and he loves and all that's okay. See, here's the other thing I know. If you think that God's just okay with everything and he doesn't mind all the sin that you do or the sin that other people do, then I can tell you this. I bet you any money you've never been brought to tears by God either. I bet you have never just been in awe of him because you kind of have this mentality where it's, well, God just loves everybody. It's no big deal. Let me tell you, the only way that God actually becomes amazing to you, the only way you can sing amazing grace is when you realize there is an infinite holy God who will have nothing to do with your sin. He will have nothing to do. He must judge it. He must punish it. But God is also infinitely holy. I mean, that's infinitely holy. He is also infinitely loving. And because he loves you so much, he will do what is ever necessary to make sure that your sin is wiped out and completely forgiven so that you can come back to him. See, now you have a God that you look at and you, feel, you just tremble in his presence because you know he's so awesome. And yet he loves you so much that he would do whatever was necessary to bring you back. Then and only then does your heart become alive. And do you meet the God that is truly God? You guys, he runs to you. So here's the question. Jesus came to give his life for you. He died. The wages for sin is death. The punishment for sin is separation from God. But Jesus came so that he could die, so that he could be your substitute, that all of God's punishment towards sin went on Christ so that you would not have to receive it and your forgiveness is there. So you sit there and you say, okay, great. God's up here going, I so want to be with you. I would do anything. So now we're here on the other side and we go, okay, now what do we do? How do I do this, God? How do I get to you? And the beautiful part, you guys, here's the last part of the good news. We simply take a leap of faith. You take a leap of faith and this is really good news. Look at this verse, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You guys, the greatest news in all the world is you don't get to God by your good works. The greatest news in the world is that it is done by faith. And you know what faith is, you guys? Here's what faith is. It's simply confident trust, okay? 
When I was sitting in that plane at 10,000 feet, I had absolute trust. I put my life on the line believing that that parachute was going to go, right? Because if that parachute doesn't go, what happens? I die. I stepped out because I put confident trust in the parachute. I also put confident trust in the fact that the guy was actually clipped onto me, right? I mean, I was believing that when I stepped out, he wasn't just, you know, click, kidding, you know? And I put my confidence in that once we were actually soaring through the air, he wouldn't just go boom and just be done. He could have done that. And then I'm toast. But I believed the parachute was going to open. I believed I was clicked onto him. And I believed he wasn't going to let me go. So I stepped out of the plane. And today, I am going to ask you, will you take the first step of faith in God? The first step in the faith in God. And you guys, it's simply just two things. The first thing that God just asks you to, he just says, would you just believe that Jesus Christ was my son? Would you believe that when he died, he rose again, unlike any other human being? That there was nobody else. It was me in the flesh. Would you believe that when he died for you, that he was forgiving you of all of your sin? That's the first thing. Just believe. And then the second simple thing is he's saying, will you just trust me with your life? Will you trust me with your life? Will you stop going to everything else? And will you instead trust me? Really, all you're doing, you guys, when you put your faith in Christ, is you're saying, you know what? I don't want to run my life anymore. I would love to give my life to you. You created it in the first place. I realize I have separated myself from you. And I want to come home. And gee, God sent Jesus so that you could come home. And the first step for you again is simply, I believe that you, Jesus, were the Son of God and I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a chance to make that decision today. When I sat in a church service just like you're sitting in, I never forget I was sitting there and the guy gave me the same invitation to say, David, he wasn't speaking to me directly, but obviously I'm hearing that. David, Will you trust me? Do you realize that you have sinned against me and that your sin has separated you from me? I sent Jesus to take care of that problem. Trust me. I'm telling you this. If you will confidently believe and entrust your life to God today, look at what happens. uh, John chapter 1. We looked at it last week. To anyone who receives him, And to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. You guys, your adventure will begin. God promises you, if you believe in me, I will come to you. And you then will receive my very spirit. You will become my child. I'm telling you guys, the adventure will just begin. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask the band to come out. And we're going to take some time to worship. And I'm just going to pray here real quick. And I'm going to ask each one of you, I'm going to give you you the chance today to take the first step 
and to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And to say, you know what, Jesus? I want you to save me from my sin. I want to come back into relationship with you. I finally get it. I've walked away from you. You've run towards me. Now I'm going to leap into your arms. I'm going to put my faith in you. All right, let's pray together, and then we'll give you this chance to make that decision. Lord, thank you so much for loving us, for loving every person in this room. And thank you, God, for sending Jesus. Thanks for doing through him what we could never do for ourselves. Thank you, God, for saving us. Thank you for running towards us. Thanks for giving us a new heart. Thanks for giving us a new life. Thanks for wanting to share your life with us. And now I just want to ask God that you would speak to every heart in this room. I know you love them. I know you care for them. And I simply pray, Lord, for every person that you're speaking to today, asking them to take this leap of faith, that you pour your grace on their life right now and give them the courage to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, Chris. So here's what I know is this is just a mystery to me. But I do know that for some, I know that for some of you today, you've just heard the good news for the first time. Or maybe you've heard it, but it finally, somebody came up to me afterwards. They've been coming to here for church for a while after the first service. And they said, Dave, I've been coming. They go, I never got it till today. So here's what I want to ask you to do is if you want to receive Christ, and that's this, what's so cool about this is this is, that's all it is. If you just, if you want to receive Christ into your life, if you want to come back to God and quit trying to get your life together and receive his life, he just says, then do it. And so if you today want to say, you know what? I'm doing it. I believe in Jesus Christ and I'm going to put my faith in him. I'm going to ask you to take a stand. Actually, this will be your first step is to stand up. Now, please listen to me. If you've already received Christ, don't stand up, okay? Don't, 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 you don't need to do it again. But if you want to receive Jesus, you've never made this decision to put your faith in Christ, but you've heard God stirring in your heart and your heart's beating faster than it maybe has ever beaten in your life before and you want to re-engage with God, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and take a stand. Does anybody want to stand up and make that decision today?